Welcome to the first episode of The Kingdom Matters. Something has gone terribly wrong, maybe even utterly lost in translation over the last 2,000 years. Listen to any modern-day Christian and see if he or she talks like Jesus. Yes, I said talks, not walks. We all know we're supposed to walk like Jesus, as in to have him be so formed in us that for me to live is Christ. Part of what distinguishes the commitment of an individual to a certain movement or organization is the shared language that is unique to that specific culture. It shows that they're all on the same page, reading out of the same playbook, headed in the same direction. I recently asked a group of 38 gap year discipleship students this question. What was the central theme of Jesus? I had them write their answer down, and then I took them through the entire Gospel of Luke. I started with Luke 4.34, where Jesus plainly states why he came. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Why was he sent? To preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Picture 38 students peeking down at their answer to see if they got it right. I then took them quickly through the entire Gospel of Luke and pointed out all of the chapters and all of the verses where the kingdom of God is mentioned. I actually dare you to do the same thing. I dare you to read through the book of Luke, maybe even highlight every single time the kingdom of God is used. I want you to do that because I want you to know that I'm not making this stuff up. I then asked the question again to these young adult students. What was the central theme of Jesus? A few sheepishly raised their hands and said, The kingdom of God? Yes, yes. Speed read through the book of Acts and highlight where the kingdom of God is mentioned. There's several verses there that show what Paul and the apostles preached, even Jesus in chapter 1, verse 3, is still speaking about the kingdom of God after his resurrection. Again, I dare you to read through Acts and highlight every single time the kingdom is mentioned. The overarching, all-encompassing, central narrative of Jesus, which was then scooped up by the apostles and preached throughout the early church, is, drumroll please, the kingdom of God. Now, This may be rather anticlimactic for you because you may only have a faint idea of what the kingdom of God is exactly. If Jesus were to come to you in person right now and tell you to do what he told the disciples in Luke 9 and 10 to do as they went out on mission, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God, would you have any clue what to say? Luke 10 verse 9 says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Right on, Jesus, I know exactly what to say. Would you? My goodness, Jesus hadn't even died yet or rose again, and he really hadn't mentioned it much about it up to that point. What in the world would they say if they couldn't talk about one of the major pieces in the story of God's kingdom? Several months ago, I called into a live Bible Answers program on Facebook. A pastor who is a distant acquaintance has people call in and ask questions regarding the Bible, theology, and the Christian life, and then he proceeds to give answers based on Scripture. 
Honestly, I was not trying to stump the man. I was simply conducting a little experiment to see if a pastor could give a reasonably accurate answer to this question. Based on your knowledge of the four Gospels, what is your understanding of the kingdom of God? What ensued was a lot of verbal fumbling and bumbling, and on his own admission, he was struggling with giving his answer. He ended up landing somewhere in the future during the millennial reign of Christ as king. That's part of it, but it's a very narrow answer, and with that narrow answer, the kingdom of God would be purely eschatological, purely in the future. Back to my 38 discipleship students who ranged in age from 18 to 21, I asked how many of them grew up in a church environment that taught the kingdom of God as the all-embracing narrative of Jesus. One person raised their hand. Another gave a hand gesture that indicated kind of. Yes, I know we use the phrase, but do we use it correctly? Pastors say that they want to build the kingdom, which in my experience of pastoral ministry for 30 plus years means building the church's membership, seeing how many people they can baptize in a year, or making sure more people get to heaven when they die. I want to point out that this whole kingdom concept is not a new idea. If you think about it, this has been God's strategy all along. According to my handy-dandy Greek dictionary, the word kingdom in the context that Jesus is using it in Luke 4 means the royal dominion, the dominion, reign, and exercise of kingly power, and a people in a territory under kingly rule. Here's why this is not a new concept. From the very beginning, God created a royal dominion over which he would exercise his kingly authority. He created people in this territory that would live under his kingly rule. Psalm 95 tells us that it was a king who created all this. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalm 2 verse 4 describes God as the one enthroned in heaven. Sounds like a king to me. The original form of government was a theocracy, a kingdom where God ruled. He eventually gathered a specific people around him to rule called Israel, through which he wanted to bless all the nations of the world. But after a while, Israel became a bit bored with a theocracy, and they cried out to God to give them a king. First Samuel 8 verses 1 through 5 says this, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Can you imagine the colossal disappointment in the eyes of God when they asked for this? Now, God had appointed some human leaders along the way called prophets and judges, but he was the king, 
and he was still their king. Men, it would be like your wife coming to you after years of marriage in which you supported her, loved her, sacrificed for her, and pursued her, and your wife asking you if you would give her a husband, a husband like all those other run-of-the-mill husbands. In fact, listen to God in 1 Samuel 8 as he talks to the prophet Samuel about this. He said, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. There is something rooted deep in the shadowy places of human nature that does not want to be ruled over. In his book, Celebration of the Disciplines, Richard Foster lists submission as one of the spiritual disciplines right up there with prayer, Bible study, and worship. Perhaps Foster and a host of other spiritual guides that came along before him realized that we could read the Bible, pray, and worship until we're blue in the face. But if we are not, in the end, submissive to God as our king, we don't stand a chance. The only other option is to create our own little kingdom and to rule over ourselves. And we all know where that has gotten us. Stay tuned, my friends. We're going to keep talking about the kingdom of God here on The Kingdom Matters.